Kelly throws the slide. Man's wide open. Time. Room. Bullseye. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome to episode 10 of The Crease Dive, presented by Barstool Sports, your one-stop shop for that stick talk for lax rats, by lax rats. And yes, you heard that correct, episode 10. We are in double digits. The haters and the losers, of which there are many, they're furious. They said no chance can Barstool have a lacrosse podcast that makes it to double-digit episodes. But here we are. I'm Jordy from Barstool, and with me for all 10 episodes so far, Many more to come. We got the legend himself, Robbie O. Rob, how are we feeling this week, buddy? Jordy, what is going on? You said it yourself, dude. Episode 10. I mean, this started out as a project that we talked about. Um, It was an idea, and now it's finally came to life and 10 episodes. So just a real quick shout out to everyone that's been supporting us and showing us love. Uh, Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter and Instagram at The Crease Dive. Jordy, we had an awesome slate last weekend. Dude, this weekend, it's going to be another amazing slate. Conference play is in full effect. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing with college lacrosse. I think it's what makes this game so great is that every single week you're going to have key matchups. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's part of what, you know, it's a smaller sport. There's only about, you know, 70 or so teams that play Division One college lacrosse. So every week you're going to have some great matchups, which means we might as well get into it right away. Let's hit some fast breaks on what went down in the past week of college lacrosse. And we're going to start off with the most bizarro game of them all. We go down to Charlottesville and we have the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays. They go, you know, we're talking about this game on last week's episode and we're talking about what this rivalry means and how the last four regular season matchups between these two teams goes into overtime. And we're saying this is going to be a close game, going to be a hard fought battle. All of a sudden, Hopkins goes into halftime, 9-2. Robbie O, I'm texting you, and I'm being like, holy shit, we're the dumbest pieces of shit alive. Like, what is going on here? Hopkins is getting railed. Yeah, but then, you know, I I don't know what, you know, I don't know what Hopkins media team looks like. I don't know if they have, you know, cameras anywhere, microphones anywhere, but we need to get the video and audio of Petro's halftime speech from that game because after going into halftime down 9-2, the Blue Jays come back. They end up the game with 50 shots. When you give guys like Cole Williams, Kyle Marr, Joel Tinney, Shaq Stanwick, when you give them 50 shots, you're going to get shelled. So they come back out in the second half. They outscore Virginia 13-4 to to win that game 15-3. to Robbie, what are your thoughts on the Blue Jays turning that around? Insane. Insane. Like you said, you and I were texting each other. It was kind of a blowout at that one point at halftime. And all of a sudden, Hopkins rolled. Like I'm thinking of Petromala just giving an Al Pacino in any given Sunday speech, just getting the boys jacked up. Dude, there was one point they went on a 6-0 run. And I don't care what sport you're playing. When you go on a run, it doesn't only hype up the players. It hypes up the bench. It hypes up the coaches. And they had that momentum. And they went into Virginia and came out with a W, a well-needed W. And, dude, Hopkins is on an absolute tear. We've been talking about it. That was an amazing win. Uh, 
their defense, not only their offense stood out, their defense stepped up. It was, it was an entire team that came together. Yeah, I wish that I could just bottle up that second half of that game, show it to everybody who hates on lacrosse and being like, look here, you bozos, this game is exciting as shit and you are missing out. Speaking of another exciting game, let's head on over. It was Denver taking on Towson. The two teams that lost on Memorial Day Saturday, Memorial Day weekend Saturday last year, both of these teams had a trip to the national championship game on the line last year. They come up just a bit short, so they play against each other last week. And uh, listen, this is something that we say pretty much every single week. Uh, you know, the, the guy gets so much hype all across the nation, and he's probably the one player in the world who deserves every ounce of the hype he gets because when your team has Trevor Baptiste taking faceoffs for you, you're probably going to come out of that game on top. Baptiste, he had two goals in seven seconds in this game, saying, yo, call me a Fogo one more time, you bastards, and I'll stick one more right over your shoulder. But Denver getting the big-time overtime win over the Tigers. Uh, Rabio, I mean, have we ever seen anybody like Trevor Baptiste? I mean, this kid has changed the game. We haven't seen anything like him, and uh, neither has Team USA. He is the youngest kid uh, Donowski picked him up. Uh, obviously, Duke's head coach got him as the starting Fogo for Team USA. Like, dude, he, he he's a different animal. He is. Everyone keeps saying like, okay, he's going to be a senior this year. People figured out his moves. Dude, no, they have not figured out his moves. <laughs> he they figured out your moves to figure out yeah, his moves. Yeah, exa- exactly. He's a he's a human glitch. Like, if when you get possessions in lacrosse, you're you're going to get opportunities. You're going to get goals. And he's giving Denver just that many more opportunities. And like once you have a I was gonna say, once you have a good face-off kid, Baptiste isn't a good face-off kid. <laughs> the kid is he, I don't, I have no words to describe him. He is it, no one's ever seen anything like this, is what I'm trying to get at. And it is he, he's made a clear difference in the game. And just to go off of a hard-fought battle from Towson. We talked about this. This is a depleted Towson team that lost a huge senior class offensively. Coach Nadelin is, I think, is one of the best coaches in the country. You know, they, they got off to a slow start, but to get Denver into overtime, that's very impressive. So uh, that, that was a great game. But like I said, it's possessions. It comes down to possessions. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough break for Towson. I mean, all their losses so far in the season are tough losses. I Listen, whoever scheduled Towson's season is uh, a pretty big dickhead because they've had eight games so far this year, six of them against ranked opponents. So they have uh, no cupcakes in their way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, no, uh, you know, there are no moral victories around here, but I guess taking Denver into overtime, especially when you have to go against Baptiste, is uh, you know definitely something you can hang your hat on. Uh, coming up here, Hey, listen, we did something a little bit different on this week's episode, something that I don't know has ever been done in the history of lacrosse podcast. Uh, We are bringing on two guys who are going to be going up against one another this weekend. We've got Nate Solomon, the attackman from Cuse, on the line, and we've also got John Sexton, LSM from Notre Dame, been wreaking havoc all across the country. Uh, But So these two teams, both in the ACC, Last week, they both squeaked by with some one-goal wins. Uh, Cuse getting a big-time, much-needed one-goal win over Duke. Uh, Notre Dame getting 
past Ohio State after they dropped one to Michigan earlier in the week. So Q's by over Duke by one, Notre Dame over Ohio State by one. Um, you know, what is what does that tell you, Robbie O, heading into this weekend with both of these teams being able to claw out these gritty, gritty, greasy victories? Yeah, I mean, uh just for Syracuse going down to Durham, that was the first time that the Orangemen have came out with a win there uh, f- for a while uh, on the road. Dude, uh, I know their cardiac cues, you know, they've been squeaking by teams, squeaking by teams. They get whopped by Hopkins, whopped by Albany. Regardless, they are 2-0 and in the ACC going into Notre Dame. You know, this is these are two undefeated conference teams, and – you're gonna get a battle. Um, it it just see uh, Syracuse this year is like a team. They're, they're a little bit bipolarish. Like you don't know what you're gonna get. Uh, they're very hit or miss. Like yes, we call them cardiac cues, but you've also seen, like I said, the Hopkins smackdown, the Albany smackdown. These are fantastic teams that just Syracuse is very young, and I don't know how they're gonna deal with it. But uh, this Notre Dame team is very very sound all around. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame, uh, you know, we said that while we were talking last week's podcast, I mean, I, I feel a little, I feel like Ohio State might want to, I don't know, like beat the shit out of Michigan right now because they pissed <laughs> off Notre Dame in that game. I think that, you know, if Notre Dame didn't drop that one to Michigan, uh, I think that that would have been a, a primetime uh, opportunity for Ohio State to upset the Irish, especially at home. But Notre Dame, you know, they're a team that over the last, you know, five, 10 years, uh, you know, they become one of the premier programs in this country. And when you get that good, you don't really lose two games in a row. So tough break for the Buckeyes. But yeah, both of these teams, uh, no drops so far in the ACC for either of them. That's going to have to change this weekend. We'll get more into that later with our interviews with Nate Solomon and John Sexton. But that'll wrap up our fast breaks for this week. Let's take it on in now to our man up man down of the week where every week we give you a player a team anything lacrosse related that we are either buying stock or we are selling 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 uh and you know what robbie i'll let you take the reins here let's uh let's start us off with your man up of the week you know what my man up of the week is gonna be bucknell the bison Bison. Dude, I mean, and and you can call me a like uh, <laughs> jumping on the bandwagon. I mean, uh, coming off a huge win against Loyola, but this is the Patriot League. I mean, they're stirring up the pot. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out of that Patriot League. I mean, now we're starting to get like we said in the in the intro. This is conference time, and this is the best part about college lacrosse is you get your out of conference games uh, in the beginning of the season. Then come like come late March, like April, you're playing against your rivals. So it, it's it's all conference games from here. And this is a Bucknell team that's hot. They We kind of, you and I, 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 I can't vouch for you, but it's you and I have not talked about Bucknell a, uh, a lot. But dude, they, they are, they've been on the rampage here. And, and you know, they're, they're a top 20 team and they're going to continue it. I mean, Will Sands is, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is leading the country in assists. Yeah, he's an he's an apple machine. The kid is apple <laughs> pie all day. Um, yeah, I think the only reason why I don't really talk about Bucknell that much is because they are one of those Adidas schools. Not really a huge fan of Adidas uniforms, but. Dude, shout out to Bucknell for proving us wrong that even when you don't look great, 
you can still play great. And they, uh, they definitely, they definitely proved us wrong there. Uh, for my man up of the week, um, listen, every once in a while, I just gotta, you know, I gotta let the people know I gotta flex on them real quick. Uh, turns out Chris Hogan, you might've heard of of this guy. He's a, uh, he's a wide receiver for the new England Patriots. Well, what many people don't know is that Chris Hogan, he actually used to play lacrosse at the collegiate level for Penn state. Even you can look that up. Google me right now. You can look that up. Chris Hogan, he used to play lacrosse. So my man up of the week, uh, is Chris Hogan. And we're going to have to get that son of a bitch on the podcast sometime just to double confirm the fact that he did play lacrosse at the collegiate level before becoming an NFL wide receiver. Uh, Robbio, you got a man down for us this week? Or, uh, you know, a little birdie told me that you might even be extra positive this week. Positive Robbio with two man ups? Yeah, I'm going to be extra positive. Uh, it's the end of March. We're going into April. The weather's getting warmer. Why not be happy? That was a terrible plug. But I'm going to have two man ups. My second man up of the week is the sideline sellies. I don't, I don't know what's in the water. It's not only these, it's, it's across the country. Uh, these sideline sellies after a goal have been absolutely electric, whether it be medieval times, riding on horses, fencing each other, or rowing up. It's insane. The whole team is getting involved. Yeah, I mean, we saw one the other week. Uh, it was uh, the birth of a child. So I don't know. You know, I, I think that that was a high school team out of North Carolina. So I don't know. I don't know whose brain comes up with that idea. But shout out to them. Shout out to all these teams across the country, both high school, college, whatever. Um, the sideline sellies have been on point so far this year. Uh, you know, I, every every single week that I log on to the Crease Dive Instagram account, I'm thinking, all right, like the originality factor, the uniqueness of these sideline sellies, the well has to run dry at some point. Turns out I'm dead wrong every single week. Uh, these kids keep coming up with something new. Uh, I mean, shout out to Robbie O. You, uh, you've been crushing the Instagram, getting all those sideline Sally videos up on our socials. You can follow those at the Crease Eye, both on Instagram and Twitter. Keep sending them in, Robbie. I'll keep posting them up, and uh, let's uh, let's. I mean, like I said, the, the well's got to run dry at some point, but. <laughs> Keep it rolling. At, at some point. And, 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 and you're a coach. You know, you're coaching this year. Um, so we had a couple comments. It, it was on Twitter. Uh, someone said, if I'm a coach, that is just absolutely unacceptable. And that was the one with the birth of a child. Like, if you're a coach, like, are you going to get offended? Or do you think that's team chemistry and that gets the boys jacked yeah, up? Yeah, so, I mean, basically my job as a coach with the high school team I work with is uh, just really the director of morale. I keep everybody fired up on the sidelines. So, uh, I mean, I think the the more the merrier when it comes to sideline celebrations. Unfortunately, my kids, uh, their idea of a sideline celly is they just start punching the shit out of each other and turn into a mosh pit. And I'm like, listen, guys, like the trainer is literally like right behind us. He sees one of you guys get clocked in the head one more time he's definitely taking you out for a concussion uh but yeah i mean if if you're a coach and you're upset about sideline sellies you are a dweeb uh and real quick just my man down of the week uh it's the last weekend in march so obviously collegiate sports the ncaa is uh you know the king of the castle right now in the sports world uh i think most people are going to be tuning into this little thing called March Madness. We're at the Final Four. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, uh, but the NCAA College Basketball Tournament. Uh, listen, guys, it's March. We're rolling in, into April. 
It's lax season, all right? So my man down this week is anybody who watches March Madness this Saturday over lax. Um, realistically, I think that there's only like one game ske- one lacrosse game scheduled that'll maybe bleed into the first game of the Final Four on Saturday. But listen, if you want to be a true lax rat, if you live by the motto, low to high to the day we die, you do not change the channel to March Madness over lax. Get yourself a double TV. Get yourself a third TV. Do whatever you got to do. You do not turn off lax for March Madness, even if it is the final four. Um, and if you do, you're, you're dead to me. You're dead to Robbie. All right? You're dead to everyone. Uh, you're dead to the lax community. We are a tight-knit group. We stay together. Uh, we're always team low to high. But, I mean, if, if it's Syracuse versus Notre Dame on ESPNU, 5 p.m., yet – uh, yes, I get it. It's the Final Four. Uh, Loyola Chicago is playing what? Michigan? That, that's fine and all. Like I get it, Sister Jean or whatever. But you, you got two ACC teams going at it. Like I, I'm nine out of ten times, I'm probably going to tune into Syracuse Notre Dame. Not trying to be biased. Yeah, dude. And Sister Jean, total lax rat. That is yeah. the cold hard truth, she, and that is going to wrap she was up an our LSM. <laughs> she was an absolute savage at the midfield line. Uh, but that is going to wrap up our man up, man down of the week, and that'll roll us right in here. We've got him on the line calling in right now. We've got Syracuse attackman Nate Solomon. So let's hit it up and talk to Nasty Nate. And joining us right now, we've got Syracuse attackman Nate Solomon on the line. He's got a big one coming up against Notre Dame this week. So, uh, you know, obviously he's busy preparing for the Irish, but he's a good enough guy to give us a few minutes of his time. Nate, what's going on, bud? Glad to have you on. What up, Nate? Yeah, thanks thanks for having me, boys. Dude, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, Syracuse, you guys... Hosting the Irish coming up this weekend in the Carrier Dome, huge ACC game. Uh, I think both the teams right now undefeated in the ACC, so this one's got a ton on the line, uh, you know. And especially for uh, you know for a guy like you, uh, would would love uh, seeing you pop off a little bit in the dome here, rack up some points. So uh, you know how how you. Uh, you know, how are you feeling about the season? How are you feeling about this game coming up? Um, I know it's been a little little up and down so far for Syracuse. You know, you guys are, you know, you're four and three right now, two and two at home. Um, but you, like I said, you guys are two and oh in ACC play. So, you know, you've got, uh, you know, plenty of opportunity to keep this season rolling, you know. So what do you, uh, what do you, what do you guys got going on up there in upstate New York? Yeah, and the great, uh, great warm up state, you know, up here. Uh, yeah, we got, uh, we got Notre Dame coming into the dome. You know, last time they came into the dome, uh, they worked us pretty good, seventeen to seven, I think, on our hundredth uh, year anniversary, even. But you know, we're not looking past Notre Dame. They're a great team. They got a lot of firepower, you know, with Ryder Garnsey uh, and all those boys, Gleason, and uh, you know, they they take pride in their defense. So that's what we've been working on this week. Uh, you know, going over their defense. Uh, they got a great goalie, uh, replacing Shane Doss over there. And uh, you got jo- guys like John Sexton, you know, Hugh Krantz, who are, are really what Notre Dame's about. So we're just looking for uh, to, uh, you know, just connect with uh, with what they're doing over there, you know, and uh, keep keep our flow going over here. Yeah. So, I mean, last year you're a sophomore. You're coming out of South Bend with a W. They're coming back to the Dome, obviously, as a Syracuse player, a Syracuse attackman, let alone. You got the Gary Gates, the Powells. You got Notre Dame coming in, 
And last time they came to the dome, they beat you guys up pretty badly, seventeen seven. Like, what, do you, what? What's the locker room morale like? I mean, you guys are two and zero going into this game, so I mean, this this is huge. Yeah, I mean, we're coming off a great win at Duke, you know, uh, right after that Rutgers loss, uh, which we put behind us pretty fast. I think, you know, I don't think we're actually thinking about the last time that Notre Dame came back uh, and uh, worked us pretty well in the dome. And I think we're more focusing on uh, what we got this year. We got a great group of young middies, uh, fresh new attack, you know, a pretty good goalie uh, who's brand new as well. And our defense is just killing it lately. Uh, you got guys like Nick Mellon, Tyson Bombery, Marcus Cunningham. Uh, you know, we, we our team's pretty uh, pretty stacked, I think, so far. And uh, I think we're just going to keep that going after uh, the Duke win and keep it rolling. Yeah, I mean, if if there's one, like, you know, you guys are stacked. You got, you know, great players all over the field. Uh, but, you know, if there's one thing that I really love, and I mean, this isn't necessarily just the 2018 Syracuse team. This is something that Cuse has been known for for a while. Um, but you guys are no strangers to the highlight reels when it comes to offense. Uh, and you yourself, opening week of the season, you uh, you found yourself on SportsCenter. You had a nice little the world there making SC top 10. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you, you boys had a, a few other highlight goals against Duke uh, last week. But, you know, just just talk to me real quick about that because, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, I guess if people actually, you know, watch the games on ESPN, they'll hear Quint talk all about how you're a Georgia boy. Um, but, it, you know, talk to me about, you know, what it's like for not only a lacrosse player to make it to sports center top 10, because lacrosse players are always trying to get some sort of recognition from the mainstream media. Uh, but you know, a lacrosse player coming out of Georgia, a huge non-traditional area. And you're right there on the worldwide leader in sports, even though ESPN can suck a dick, but you're there on SC top 10 within around the world. So what, you know, what's that like seeing yourself on there? Like did your boys back home, were they blowing up your cell saying, you know, this and that, what, what's that like? Yeah, you know, my boys back home were really hitting me up. They were like, damn, like, you could only get number three, kind of giving me a hard time, saying that LeBron beat me out, so I'm not that mad. But, um, yeah, I mean, for the whole Georgia thing, I guess it's pretty cool, you know. I think I'm one of the only ones, if not maybe the only one, I think, to go to Syracuse. And my parents are actually from up in Syracuse, you know, so it's like a full circle, you know, coming back, playing for uh, Coach Desco. And... Uh, I guess for the whole lacrosse thing, you know, I've seen it on SportsCenter Top 10 a lot lately. Not just on the Top 10, uh, just on SportsCenter, you know, talking about how it's the fastest growing game on two feet still. And I think it's pretty cool, you know. We got guys like Lefty, uh, Brennan Bomberry, sorry, uh, S- Steve Rafis, you know, guys like that who are consistently making these plays and are, I feel now, getting the credit that's due. You got guys, like you said, like Lefty, a.k.a. Bomberry. Then you got guys like Steven Rifus, who, you know, was a walk-on at Holy Cross. Holy Cross is a team that's probably fifth in the Patriot League right now. Now he's one of the leading scorers for Syracuse, one of your line mates. You're coming out of Georgia in high school. Um, just talk us through the recruiting process, because obviously uh, Georgia is not a hotbed. For not, yet. not yet. Yeah, not, yeah, gonna, not gonna yet. Yeah. I was going to jump in there, too, and say it wasn't yet. You know, uh, at first, actually, I was coming to Dartmouth, uh, and they were really the only school who I had an offer from uh, coming into, I want to say, my like, sophomore year of high school. And I, I'm let's be honest, people don't go down to Georgia and look for lacrosse. You know, uh, when I was in high school, it was the more the Marylands, the, uh, the New Yorks, the, uh, the original hotbeds. 
And so, you know, I was going to Dartmouth, you know, was at a Philly tournament playing lacrosse and my, uh, my coach who went to Syracuse, uh, called me up and said, uh, yo, like, you want to go play at Syracuse? And I kind of chuckled in his face and was just like, yeah, like you're kind of messing with me. Like, there's no way. And he's like, no, like here, I had coach Desco on the line and, you know, I was talking to him and he's like, I think you have a great opportunity to come play, uh, for the orange. And I mean, when you got schools like Syracuse and the powerhouses, like even Notre Dame who we're going against this weekend, uh, when they give you a chance, you know, to really shine and they believe in you, you can't say no. Yeah. And, and now you're here now. Uh, and like, like we've said, like we've mentioned a few times here, I mean, huge game coming up here in the carrier dome. Uh, you know, thank God they, uh, they were able to recruit you cause you know that your offense, you're going to need, uh, you know, pretty much all the firepower you can get. You talked about, you know, how sound Notre Dame's defense is, especially heading into this game. Um, you know, led by a guy like John Sexton, who's been an absolute fucking menace so far this year. Uh, you know, especially against, you know, teams, you know, best, best offensive threats. So, uh, you know, we're actually going to have Sexton on the line, uh, probably right after you. So, uh, it'll, it'll be a nice little, nice little matchup here on the crease die, but, you know, just talk us through, you know, don't give us too much of the game plan. Cause I'm sure that, uh, you know, Sexton and the rest of the guys are going to be listening to this episode to get to his interview. So you don't want to give away your game plan too much, but you know, what, is, you know, what do you think that, you know, your team has to do, uh, you know, to get past a defense like that, who, you know, they, they've been giving teams hell all season long. You know, I think we're just going to attack them hard. You got guys like Sexton who are just unreal takeaway guys. Like you said, I mean, the kid's got a knack for getting the ball on a stick on whether it's face offs or, whether he's guarding a midi or something like I think he stripped both of those guys at the end of the Virginia game and uh that was pretty sick but uh yeah I mean I, we're just gonna go hard against him and uh see if it works out and that's all I'm gonna give you <laughs> keeping it yeah that's uh that that's uh <laughs> so Nate now we're gonna get into a little bit of uh yeah, a little bit of rapid fire real quick <laughs> All right, yeah. Word is it is it gonna be over after this? I got a group meeting soon. I'm I'm not gonna lie. You got a what? A group meeting soon. What's a group meeting? Tell me, it's the attackman getting together to get pizza. I mean, by that. No, dude, it's front marketing research class. It's it's, it's oh, gonna be. Wait, 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 Jordy, Jordy, Jordy. We make fun of the Ivy League every single week, and this kid has a marketing research. Uh, conference at eight thirty p.m. on a Wednesday night. <laughs> Let, let's let's let the kid get out to class. He can't be uh, ineligible for this game coming up against Notre Dame. So quick rapid fire here. We'll get you in and we'll get you out. You'll be ready to go. Uh, you know, so Robbie mentioned it before. Ton of cues, especially on the offensive side of the ball. A uh, ton of legends have come through Syracuse University. Uh, so if, if we're lining up all the alumni in a row, who are you taking number one in the Syracuse alumni draft? Oh, I, I, can I go two? And if, if I'm going to, I got to go with John Zilberti and Liam Banks. Liam Banks, which I do. That was going to be one of my follow-up questions to you. Know, Georgia Bowl. Yes. Having dude. a day. Yes. Let's go. All right. He's the, he is the pioneer of the South. Let he me tell is the you. pioneer of the South, and I know you got to go to investment club or whatever, but what is your favorite type of shot to take? You're getting upfield. You're getting to the stereotypical 7-7. Seven and seven. What does Nate Solomon take? And, yeah, you don't have to say it because, obviously, like, people are listening. But uh, – What's the kid going with? Oh, if I'm at seven and seven, you know, I'm just still running. 
and yeah, I'm just okay. gonna I'm just gonna shoot <laughs> on the run, you know. But if I had my, if I could, dude, I'm going overhand down shot. Yeah, yeah, low and away. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what that's what you want to hear, right? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, probably behind the back, honestly. If I if I could have it my way every day, but you know the coaches don't feel the same, and that's all right. <laughs> Try to beat LeBron for the number three spot, yeah. uh, Jordy. Nexty, what is up? Yeah, so uh, yeah, as as a Georgia guy, uh, you know myself, I'm a I'm a Bama fan. So are you a are are you a Bulldog guy? You know, I, I cheered for him this year. You know, you hate to see it what they what they uh, did. You know, having uh, that quarterback come in like that and destroy our defense. But you know, most of my friends go to Georgia, so I'd say I'm a, I'm a little bit of a Georgia fan. And I'll cheer for him. Uh, well, yeah. So 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 how how was how was that nat- Natty Championship game then as a Georgia fan? I mean, is that loss feel like you're you've got a a void now, a championship void? Are you know is that fueling you uh, for the rest of the season here? Because you got to fill it somehow. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm gonna make up for what Jake Fromm couldn't do. You know. <laughs> And uh, try to bring the boys back in Addy in Georgia. All right, and Robbie's gonna wrap us up here. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, why are you smirking already? I hear that smirk. Yeah, yeah. You can just hear a smile through the mic. All right, there's a fifth year goes by the name of Rob Orizetti. Comes in as an attackman, a lefty. What is your best memory from that kid? All right, my best memory of Rob Orizetti the fifth year was two things. One, the run test. And two was this epic speech that he had like two <laughs> days after the run test. And I'll go through the run test first. I mean, we go 440 yards three times. One of the hardest in the country. Yeah, I, I would definitely definitely agree. And Rob starts running one. You know, we finish. We get a five-minute break for the next one. I think Rob starts a second, doesn't even make it down, starts cramping in quotes. And just walks right <laughs> off the field. Do you yak? No, dude. It was just a short I think it would have been, been better if you did throw up. Yeah, you you never want to you'd never want to hold the hammy and walk off a run test. Yeah, dude. It was a slow <laughs> limp to the side. And like everyone's like, "Yo, dude, what's this kid's do?" And then what about this? Uh, what about this epic speech? You know, he he brought the team in. You know, and it was just I don't even remember what he said. Me and Malloy were just talking dude, about this. It, dude, but it was what happened the next day, which I think you can you can tell if you want. What do you mean? Dude, you weren't there the next day. I uh, I gave this speech. I was just under the impression because me and Malloy, me and Malloy were uh, talking about, and we, we were texting, and he's like, yo, underrated. Remember when you gave the fucking breakdown speech at the end of practice? And I started, like, cracking dude, up. It was pretty. it was pretty epic. He, he was like, let's get the team together, like – Everyone has a part in this team. Like you guys are all my brothers. And then we were like, "Who is who is this? Who <laughs> <laughs> let this guy?" Oh, but look at look at Rabio now though. He's still getting the last word in. Uh huh. Yeah, so uh hey, if, if you need to uh if you need to bring Robbie in the locker room at halftime for this game coming up against Notre Dame, he is free of charge. We'll let him off the hook. He'll be there. He'll be yeah. there for you guys at the drop of the hat for another rousing speech. Tell Desco to take a you know, he can he can take uh he can take that halftime off because Robbie O's got it. 
Uh, well, Nate, buddy, appreciate it. I, I know we uh, you got you got some class to go to. Hey, listen, Nate Solomon and the entire Syracuse lacrosse team, student athletes. As you hear that, student, student comes first. before athlete. Yes, student first, athlete second. So, hey, buddy, uh, best of luck coming up this Saturday against Notre Dame. Uh, you know, obviously, we're going to be rooting for you. Uh, we're probably going to have to say the same thing to John Sexton with Notre Dame, but we'll just, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll just bleep that part right out. All right. Yes. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Later. Take it easy, man. Later. And joining us now, a man who is going to be tasked with stopping Nate Solomon and that Syracuse offense this weekend. We've got All-American LSM out of Sudbury, Mass. We've got senior at Notre Dame, John Sexton. John, thank you for hopping on the podcast with us this week. How's it going, bud? Doing all right. It's my pleasure. You know, really a fan of what you guys have been putting together here. Appreciate it, Johnny. Uh Dude, you guys are uh, guys are playing uh, Syracuse this weekend. Big ACC matchup. Uh, the boys in South End. Uh, you guys, you guys taking the bus down? You guys flying? What are you, what are you guys doing there? Uh, you know, we're uh, fortunately going to be chartering a jet out tomorrow morning. Actually, on a Friday, so it's kind of an obscure location. So the school gives us the thumbs up on using the plane to get out there. So we will be traveling in style. We're going to be wearing our suits, you know, all stiffed up for this one. So uh, I think the guys are excited. Are you a are are you a three piece suit kind of guy? Oh, I know. I try to keep it to two, you know, but sometimes I'm tempted. I got a uh, a couple of roommates who are a little bit classical, you know, so maybe I joke around with them. There you go. Hey, man, look good, feel good, play good. That's uh, that's that's the motto. And uh, you know, so far playing good. Uh, the Irish, I mean, you guys are off to a nice little start of the season here, five and two halfway through your year. Um, you know, obviously a, a tough drop to Michigan. I don't think, uh, too many people saw that one coming, but Hey, it's, it's a long season. A, a few of those bumping the roads are, you know, about to come up every now and then, but five and two on the year, your only drops are to Michigan and the defending champs, the Terps. Uh, so, you know, what, what are your thoughts so far on the Irish and how are you guys feeling, uh, you know, heading into this final, you know, two month push of the regular season. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we're all pretty excited about the start. You know, like you said, we're maybe expecting that, but Michigan's a great team. They're playing fast, and uh, they came out and gave us a great game out in South Bend. Uh, you know, this year we're we're pretty we have a pretty unique mix. A lot of older guys, a lot of younger guys playing. So I think we're doing a really good job of trying to learn everything we can from our games week in and week out, and kind of building on that. So I think it's been uh, it's been you know, a lot of growth throughout the season, which is exciting. I mean, we got the energy from all the younger guys, and then beyond that, we got some uh, senior leadership. Dude, once you have that team dynamic all across the board, from the freshman up to you as a senior, like, you're going to be successful. And you just have like so much like it's just a blast to play. It just makes the game so much more fun, even practicing. Yeah, I mean, I think the guys on the team like being around each other too, which definitely helps. Uh, we have a really fun group of guys, so and I think people kind of don't really, you know, there's not too much of a divide between the younger and the older guys, which makes it a, you know. Well, that, and I mean, you're a senior now. You're a captain. Uh, how have you kind of taken on that role as as a senior leader on the team, especially you know helping out the young guys and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what it is. It's just kind of trying to help out when you can and. uh 
you know, just trying to pass on the lessons you've learned over the past couple of years. That's something anyone on the team can do. Uh, you know, I'm honored to be a captain right now, but at the same time, I think that all the seniors and juniors for that, uh, to that point have been doing a really good job of kind of sharing our lessons. You know, you don't want to have to learn the hard lessons too many times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you guys are, uh, you're definitely building on to that culture that's been growing at Notre Dame, turning that place into uh, really just one of the premier programs in college across year in and year out. And, uh, you know, so, you know, John, you're, like I mentioned before, you're, you're a kid from mass, you know, you're a Northeast boy. Um, you know, obviously a ton of great schools here for division one, uh, college across you know, on the East coast. Uh, but you know, I guess you, you take a trip out to South Bend in high school and you know, what, uh, you know, what leads a kid from mass to, you know, to, to, to take that trip out West and start your college career in Notre Dame, what really drew you in there? Yeah. You know, I think there's a couple factors, uh, one of the you know first things that kind of was the reason I was looking at Notre Dame was I had a cousin who played here back in 2001, John Harvey, and then my sister actually graduated two years ago, so I knew she was heading this way. And then, uh, I mean, so on top of kind of you know that family tie, there was also just the fact that Notre Dame is kind of a perfect fit in my mind in terms of academics and athletics. I wanted something that was going to be kind of challenging the classroom too, because you know end of the day. Uh, you got to get a good education out of this whole lacrosse thing too. You know, it's uh, there's no real big bucks waiting for you on the other side. So uh, I think that that was kind of a, that was kind of a focus for me. And uh, on top of that, I mean, I think you guys mentioned it earlier, this program has been building on itself year over year. Coach Corrigan's doing a really good job of kind of, uh, you know, every single year getting more and more talent coming in. So I think that it was a program heading in the yeah, right direction. I mean, you definitely came in at the right time. And, um, you know, now speaking of timing, uh, coming up this weekend, obviously playing in Syracuse at the Dome. Uh, last time that you and the boys took the trip to the Carrier Dome, you guys, uh, you guys put a little bit of a performance on there, uh, taking down the orange, smacking the orange, seventeen to seven. Um, not only, I mean, talk to us a little bit about this upcoming game. You know, prepping, um, just not only about the Syracuse game, but just talk about the second half of the season, which is just getting ready for this this ACC um, meet of the schedule. Because you guys are arguably playing in the hardest conference. Jordy, would you say the ACC is the hardest conference across the board? Yeah, I mean, I guess it has to be, uh, you know, unless we're talking about, I mean, <laughs> my uh, my beer league conference is a pretty tight, uh, it's, it's real tight right now. And every team is, every team is giving you their best. But outside of that, yeah, I'd, I'd go with the ACC getting the nod. Yeah, yeah. I saw the box helmet, so I think that was a pretty, uh, pretty good addition for the beer league. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I think, you know, just getting ready for the second half of the season, it's less about learning, you know, the different offenses, learning the different defenses that our teams are going to be running. Because at this point, we've seen a variety of teams. We've seen a lot of different things they run. And it's kind of understanding, you know, the different unique aspects of every team. Uh, coming to the Carrier Dome every single time, you know, it's going to be a high-energy environment. Like you said, last time we were there, we were, came away with a big W in front of a big crowd. And that was honestly probably one of my favorite memories so far here at Notre Dame. But I think in the second half of the season, we're just kind of looking to identify things. Syracuse, they're playing fast. They're playing with a lot of intensity, and they're always a team with a pretty high IQ. So it's, it's going to be a really good test for us, and I think yeah, we're all and very I excited. Mean, uh, we are excited as well, as is the rest of lacrosse country. That game will be 5 p.m. on ESPNU. Now, John, me and Jordy have a couple – couple. Re okay, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, hold on, hold up. I, I wanna, I, yeah, I wanna get a little bit more into that. Yeah. So, um, we're that out. so, so yeah, yeah, we're we're just gonna restart a little bit there. Um, do uh, so so say exactly what you just said, and then say like go. It's gonna be okay. five p.m. on ESPNU, and then I'm gonna jump yeah, in after that. We are definitely excited as well on the crease dive as well as the rest of the country. What is fuck? My, that's my bad. Fucked it up. Uh, <laughs> and yeah we are definitely excited for it too as is the rest of the country that game will be played on espnu at 5 p.m make sure you are getting eyes on that game yeah and i i mean john like i can hear it in your voice uh you know obviously you're going to be you're you're a humble kid uh you probably don't love to talk about yourself way too much uh but i mean listen you're you're a first team all-american you're you know you've been all all acc selection twice um you know obviously your role on this notre dame defense uh is you're usually going to be covering the other team's best offensive player um you know you, you don't have to give us you know a, any much of an inside scoop in this weekend of who you're going to be covering but i mean obviously syracuse they're a program that always has a ton of of offensive threats uh, down that side of the field, always have a ton of creative guys, ton of offensive firepower. Uh, so, you know, for a guy like you who's tasked with, you know, just shutting down uh, elite, you know, scoring uh, attackman or an elite scoring midfielder or, or whatever, um, you know, what's what's this week of preparation kind of been like for you? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it starts in the, the film room, kind of getting used to seeing what different players are doing. Uh, like you said, Syracuse has a lot of really athletic guys with slick stick skills. They're a very good team. So I think it's kind of just getting tendencies down. Um, we're not a fully matchup-oriented team, so we're not necessarily too worried about who's on ball. We kind of have a lot of faith in everyone, and I think that's been well-warranted this season. I think that, you know, we at any time have six guys in the field that we're pretty confident with. But, uh, you know, just looking at different kind of – we put together a shooter dodger clip on the other team and just try and get a, a feel for what they're doing individually. And then on top of that, a feel for what they're doing in terms of sets. I mean, Syracuse's offense is one of the more challenging ones to play against. And it's been the same since I've been here running a lot of uh, kind of pair stuff, but in a different way, they're kind of running a seesaw action where they're getting some of that offensive players to, you know, do a, a instead of a shallow clear through a, a little bit of a deeper clear through. So that's something that's really going to be uh, that's that's been a point of emphasis for us all week. We've been working on it, you know, together. And then also, you know, I've been just trying to watch some clips from last year, watch some clips for earlier this season and, and get a feel for them. Yeah, I mean, hey, any any kids that are listening to this podcast right now, uh, like you, you just heard John Saxon break down Syracuse's offense better than I'm willing to bet. You know, <laughs> at, at least a few of the guys on Syracuse's own team can break that down. So make sure if, if you're a young kid and you're listening to this podcast right now, get your ass in the film room. Uh, you know, you can you can take your Fortnite breaks in between film sessions. Yeah, I mean, then that is just one of the many reasons why you have down. been a two-time ACC and uh, were an All-American last year. Um, now, something with your stick. Uh, we noticed that you use traditional, and I think a lot of people uh, have kind of called you out on that. I know sometimes when the announcers are commentating on the game, they'll, they'll point that out. Uh, what kind of drew you to going with traditional stringing, and uh, when when did that start for you? You know, I have a uh, I had a trainer in high school who, my sophomore year, uh, 
Yoshitaka Ando actually. So that's that's a guy. He uh he strings him up for me and sophomore year he kind of approached me and was saying, you know, I know you like to play off the ground a lot. I know you like to play in transition, play fast. Uh, I think you should try out the stringing. And uh, I've never been a great stringer myself, so I didn't know too much about uh, sticks at that point. But he uh, he strung one up for me, and ever since then, that's what I've been using. I think that there's a lot of advantages in terms of ground balls. I think there's a lot of inter- advantages in terms of just kind of the, the feel of the ball in that pocket. So I think that's kind of been the, the main advantage for me. Uh, there definitely is a little bit of a learning curve and some maintenance required to keep it kind of from throwing straight down, which has happened to me a couple times. You know, you get wound up for a big shot and then you shoot it behind yourself, and that's never fun. But if you can, uh, if you can keep on top of it, I think it's well worth it. Yeah, I mean, dude, like you're not afraid to pull the trigger, though. Um, you know, you already have a couple goals so far this season. I know that you had a few goals last season. Um, I mean, when, when you're coming down the field, you cross over midfield, you got the ball in your stick, uh, you know, is, is your brain wired to say you're, you're gripping and ripping right away, or are you looking to make that pass? What is, what's going through your mind? John Sexton leading the fast break. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I have an answer in my mind that I hope that you say, but I'll yeah, let you I'm, I'm, yourself. I'm trying to think, you know, what kind of shot can I take right now without getting yelled at and, you know, pulled off the field, but, uh. In all seriousness, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to make the right play, I guess. So I like to, I like to let him fly. But, you know, last week uh, I got an early slide and, and threw it to Mikey for a nice assist. So he actually, uh, funny story in that, he kind of owed me one. He had, uh, he had duped me several times in a row getting stuffed on the crease, you know, and that doesn't happen to Mikey too often. So I think that was kind of uh, a little bit overdue of, uh, you know, an assist to Mikey. So we were joking about that after the game. Yeah, dude. Uh, hey, listen, assists always count for two in my book. Uh, it's, it's great to be unselfish out there. Um, but so while, while you're not, uh, you know, while you're not dishing out apples or you're not just, just ripping the shit out of the ball, uh, when you're actually playing defense, which is your position, uh, you know, so what, uh, you know, you, what is your favorite uh, type of stick check to throw what is your you know you have this you know you're thinking about the game in your head while you're in the locker room uh you know you're visualizing this game what is you know your ultimate check that you are going to throw down um you know i i think myself and robbie O were both attackmen so i like fuck you defenseman who can throw these nasty checks because you were killing my entire career uh but you know what what do you got going yeah, on I think every ounce of my body wants to save you over the head check but uh that might get me benched before the game even starts this saturday so I'm going to have to go with just a nice can opener, kind of the poke check right between the uh, attack when our middies two hands and then pulling it off their body, trying to get that like flick uh, while your stick's in between their body and uh, their stick. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a simple check. It's kind of boring almost, but uh, it's, it's been pretty effective for me. <laughs> poke check, definitely not the, the most sexy check, but uh, it's just like the bounce shot for us offensive guys. And uh <laughs> Hey, real quick, congratulations on being the first D-pull to hop on the crease dive on episode 10. Took long enough, but uh, congrats on that. Yeah, no, I'm definitely excited to be repping the D guys out here. You got a couple uh, of good O guys, but it's nice to have a D guy who can uh, rebuttal a little to them. Yeah, and then just, just going off of that, who out of your time at Notre Dame, your four years, who is the best player that you ever had to guard for a full four quarter game? 
That's a, that's a tough one, you know. Uh, earlier this season, I got to cover uh, Connor Kelly for a couple pieces of that game, but he was starting down attacks. So I didn't get to cover him for much of it, actually. But, I mean, the times I was on him, he's about as as quick a guy as I've ever covered, and his, his stick skills are, his, are, you know, second to none. So, I mean, as far as people I've covered this year, I'd have to go with him. But I think I think over the past four years, it'd probably have to be Miles Jones. I mean, he's, he's just a physical freak, and he's uh, – He's, you know, he's going to be a handful no matter what, you know, what the game situation is. So covering someone who's got that kind of range and size and speed was, was definitely a lot. And I think it took a full team effort every time we played him. Yeah. And then I, so I've got one last question for you here. I don't know if Robbie O has any more <laughs> tricks up his sleeve, but obviously here at the crease dive, we are uh, huge on style. Uh, you know, we, we talk about, you know, what teams look the best pretty much every single week, um, you know, whether uniforms, helmets, whatever. And over the years, Notre Dame has, you know, they, they've really, you guys have come up with this classic look in college across. Uh, but this year, things are just a little bit different. Uh, and it's not, to your, it's not to your own fault, but so Cascade, they put out a new helmet. Uh, I guess it comes out last year, but you guys are using it for the first full season this year. The Cascade S, uh, new technology in that and everything. But with that, they tried to strengthen up the chin a little bit. Uh, and now there's this black piece that goes through the chin. I mean, you guys are known for this golden chrome helmet uh, that looks so crisp. But now you got that little bit of black in there. So I guess my only question here for you is, one, are you a guy who cares about what the team looks like? And like, not looks like in terms of playing, but actually looks like. Uh, and then two, if, if you do care about that, uh, you know, it, it, is there a movement to kind of break out some gold Sharpies to fill in that black line or what? <laughs> well, I think, I think the two have a little bit of a relation, you know, look good, play good, like you said earlier. And I mean, that's uh that's even a defensive strategy of mine, you know, pulling down guys' socks and messing with their head that way. So I think <laughs> If you, can, if you can mess with someone's style, I think you're going to have a good day and be in their head a little bit. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think that it's you know it's something we have talked about. You know, the black piece going through the chin strap isn't ideal, but at the same time, the new helmets are uh, they're pretty beautiful. You know, Cascade has really done a good job for us. So I think that that you know wasn't something that was too uh, impactful in most of our minds. I like the gold sharpie idea. I don't know if that's been brought up, so we might have to bring that up to motion in court. You know, see if we can get a little bit of uh, you know uh, some momentum going with that. But uh, other than that, you know, I think uh, I think that Under Armour keeps it pretty simple for us. You know, it's just kind of been all white, all blue for home away, and then uh, the rest of our gear has been pretty crisp this year. Yeah, and you guys uh, definitely ball out every single year when you whip out those alternates, those uh, real, real Irish ones that you guys have for St. Paddy's Day. <laughs> oh, those are, those, are, those are always a treat. I mean, this year we had uh, – we actually, you know what? They gave us stickers to put on the black piece over the chin. So maybe this is something that we should be asking Cascade about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. Wow, those ones, those ones, are, those are cool. It's uh, it's always a little bit weird playing without the the gold helmet. It's kind of like uh, six days out of three sixty five. That's what you're doing, but um, I mean, it was it was it was a great setup this year from them. Yeah, I mean, you guys look great, and hopefully you continue looking great rolling into this weekend. Um, you know, we're going to keep an eye out on, on TV to see if you guys break out the gold Sharpies or not. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll have some uh, quick shift over to, to Syracuse for you guys. But, yeah, huge game coming up this weekend, 5 p.m. 5 p.m. on ESPNU. 
Notre Dame versus Syracuse. It's not going to disappoint. Uh, John, we're, we hope that you uh, you have a great game out there. And listen, bud, if you get over midfield with the ball on your stick, load a high to the you day bet. you die, John. <laughs> Live by the motto, be one of us, or just go low and away, stick a goal, because it all looks the same in the score sheet. John, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. It was a blast. Uh, have a good one, guys. We'll talk to you. And thank you again to Nate Solomon and John Sexton for coming on the podcast this week. Obviously, both of those guys are going to be playing huge roles in this matchup on Saturday. Uh, so you know what? Why waste any more time? Let's just get right into our weekend preview and set some picks here, starting off with that Notre Dame in the Carrier Dome against Q's game. This is going to be Saturday night, 5 p.m. in the Dome. Uh, you know, ESPNU, prime time, baby. We heard from Sexton. We heard from Nate Solomon. Uh, obviously, Rabio, you got a little bit of a soft spot in your heart for the Orange men. But after listening to those two, you know, what are your thoughts heading into this game? Because it's probably the biggest game on the schedule this week. Yeah, I mean, you said it best, and they all said it. Obviously, there's are two really hungry kids playing for two hungry programs and two programs that are both undefeated in the ACC. When conference play comes, it doesn't matter what the conference may be at any level, you kind of just throw out the records um, when you're prepping for the week. You know, you know, these are teams that you're probably going to see twice a year, once in the regular season and once in the ACC tournament. Uh Cuse at the Dome. I mean, uh, Nate was even saying last time that the Irish came into the Dome, uh, they, they kind of embarrassed them on their uh, on their own court there. So uh, you're obviously – Syracuse is going to have a chip on their shoulder. Both teams are playing great ball right now. Obviously, Notre Dame had that slip up to Michigan, uh, and then Syracuse has had their fair share of losses. But when it comes down to it, uh, these are two undefeated teams, conference play. This is going to be a really, really, really good game. Um, Syracuse is very young. Um, we've been seeing it all year, especially on the offensive side. And it's going to be, it's going to be a test for these kids. Like it's not high school ball anymore. You're, you're going against, like you said, an LSM like Sexton. So, uh, these kids are going to have their hands full. Yeah. I mean the, the offense, they're definitely young, but they are, they're skilled for sure. Um, you know, and I mentioned this in, in the Solomon interview, I mean, Notre Dame's defense, uh, the stats don't necessarily, uh, you know, the numbers don't necessarily back this up. It looks like they're giving up about nine goals or so a game. Uh, but I mean, they've just found ways to kind of at least, you know, might not be for a full 60 minutes, but for at least good chunks of these games that they've been playing so far, uh, this defense has been able to find ways to kind of stifle these dynamic offenses. I mean, uh, you know, it wasn't like Maryland was necessarily having their way with Notre Dame. It was just that Connor Kelly decided to pop off for 10 points. So, you know, I think that Notre Dame's defense, uh, you know, this is one of those games where I feel like every single matchup that we preview, I always talk about the offense. This is going to be one where I really think that the defense is going to shine for Notre Dame. Uh, but if I am talking about offenses and offensive power, I, the thing that still is probably one of the most bizarre parts of the 2018 college across season is just where in the world is Ryder Garnsey? I mean, the kid, he's, he's still leading Notre Dame in points. He's got 13 goals, six assists, but he's just, he's not on the field for 60 minutes and no one really has any answers. You know, if I had to take a guess, um, 
you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say that maybe there's, there's got to be some sort of disconnect there between player and coach. Maybe they're just kind of seeing things. Uh, they're, they're not seeing eye to eye right now. You know, as a coach myself, I can kind of understand, uh, how something like that would happen, but Ryder Garnsey, man, I mean, this is a kid who, you know, whether Corrigan loves him or hates him, you got to have him on the field because he has the stats to back it up. When he's on the field, Notre Dame is a better team and they're scoring more. Uh, so I, I think, you know, as long as Garnsey is on the field in the Carrier Dome and as long as John Sexton's leading that Notre Dame Irish defense the way that they've, you know, they're fully capable of playing, I've got them squeaking out of the dome with another win this weekend. Robbie O. Who is your official pick in this game? Uh, I'm going to go with Syracuse. Uh, and I think it's just going to come down to goaltending, like you said, actually. Um, you know, on the crease dive, you know, sometimes we're a little bit biased just being two lefty attackmen. But this one's going to come down to the defense. Syracuse is battling with a ton of injuries. I know Mellon is questionable. I, I believe Bomberry is out. So they're missing. And I believe Marcus might be out. So that, that's three defensemen, three starting poles that are going to be out or at least questionable. Um, and Dom in the cage has been has been a pleasant surprise for this Syracuse team that, you know, obviously with Malloy graduating. But I'm expecting this one to be low scoring. Um, I believe it's going to be going to come down to the possessions. It's going to come down to the faceoff X and it's going to be like the nitty gritty. I'm not expecting this to be a 17-7 game like we saw two years ago. Not at all. All right. Well, so I got Syracuse. So, uh, <laughs> well, uh, looks like we're going head to head just as Notre Dame and Cuse are going head to head. Next up on our schedule, we move from the ACC. We're heading to the Big Ten. This game is a lot more interesting now after Michigan was able to upset Notre Dame. Uh, we've got Maryland traveling to the big house. This is going to be a Saturday. I believe the game is at noon. So we've got the Terps, the reigning champs, reigning Big Ten champions. They're heading to Michigan. Uh, and right now, you know, Michigan they're looking they're looking pretty good. I mean, they're uh, okay. you know, they they've got that win over Notre Dame. They're at seven and two right now, I believe heading into this game and they're on a one, two, three, four, five game winning streak. So the Terps, they're getting a red hot Michigan team. Uh, Robbie O, you know, obviously Michigan, that's their first win. Uh, you know, that win against Notre Dame was their first win in program history over a top five school in the nation. Do they double up that total this weekend against the Terps? Just going off of the last game, too, it's uh, in-conference play, a Big Ten matchup. Obviously, Michigan's having a huge year this year. Uh, like you said, that monumental win in program history over Notre Dame, so they are riding high. When you get a win like that, the coach is jacked up, the players are jacked up, heck, the, the, the trainers are jacked up. So obviously that morale is big. Playing at the big house is big. And this is Coach Conry's. First time going up against Maryland since leaving. So I don't I don't know if there's going to be a little bit of bad blood. Not really sure how that separation went. Sure, it went fine. But any time that you're playing your old team, you you want to be on, on the better end of that. Uh, we saw uh, Coach Tambroni from Penn State go into the Cornell, into the Big Red House, and coming out with a loss. So um, we're going to see how this one goes. 
dude, Michigan, uh, they're, they're sneaky. <laughs> what uh, what do you what do you have on this game? Yeah, I mean they're very sneaky, and they are led on offense by a good old fashioned Canuck, Brent Noseworthy, out of Ontario. He's got thirty one goals on the year so far. Um, I mean, Buddy just has a net. He sees open cage. And he fills an open cage. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you're Maryland, it looks like you kind of – if Noseworthy's hot, then you're going to be in a dogfight all day long. But, you know, if you do find an answer for him, uh, you know, Michigan's offense just isn't quite – as rounded out maybe as Maryland's offense is. I mean, you just go down the line here between guys, Connor Kelly, Jared Bernhardt, Logan Wisnowskis, Tim Rotans, Bubba. I mean, I think that Maryland just has so many weapons, too many weapons at their disposal. Uh, so I, again, I, I think, you know, Michigan, this is a, a big year for them in terms of, you know, becoming one of the top programs in the country. Uh, I think that this is going to be a great year for them in the Big Ten. I, th- I think that they'll be right there until the very end. Uh, but I just think that the reigning champs, they've got way too much firepower. And, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're heading in. They're looking to repeat as Big Ten champs. So I'm, I'm going with the Terps in this one. But I would love to see a close game. I would actually love to see, you know, I could see Michigan jumping out early and then just not having the gas left in the tank to finish it out. Yeah, I'm going to tell you with that pick. I got Maryland here. It's just like way too deep. It's tough to run with the reigning national champs for four quarters. Um, Like you said, I don't really, I'm not disagreeing with the fact that I could see Michigan getting off to a really hot start early, uh, especially being at home. You know, you might get Maryland, get a little jet lag, but we are seeing the development of Connor Kelly. And, oh, dude, he is fan- he's incredible. I mean, obviously he was fantastic last year, but we talked about it. Come week three, he already surpassed his assist from last season. So, I mean, he is becoming – I mean, he had what? We had the reoccurring guests, Matt Rambo and uh, and Heacock come on. Like, he had huge shoes to fill, uh, two shoes to fill, and he is playing that role and he is – becoming a complete player. He's making everyone around them better. Like you said, they have so many weapons. I would love to see Michigan uh, come out with the upset, but uh, I'm just not going to see it this week. But I can also see this matchup. Uh, I could see a little rematch coming uh, coming a little later in the season come Big Ten play, conference championship. Yeah, and and you know what? Uh, you know, if, if I'm Maryland, I, I do not want to see this Michigan team in a rematch. So, uh, you know, if, if I'm them, I need to, you know, I, I need to put them down right now and make a statement because if you give them any chance of thinking that they can hang in in a Big Ten ch- uh, tournament game, then it's going to be tough looks for the Terps. Moving on, we've got, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have conference games all around as we're getting into the last weekend in March, heading into April. So it's conference season all over the place. We're heading to the America East with the Albany Great Danes, still the only undefeated team left in the nation. Uh, earlier this week, they put a smackdown on the Harvard Crimson, I mean, a tough, tough break for our boy Francis. I know that we were talking up this game for him. Uh, you know, Harvard was coming into this one hot, but they just did not have what it takes to take down the number one team in the nation. And it's Matt 
Perla scoring from 50 yards deep to break the 10-man ride to really add that dagger in for Albany's win over Hartford uh, or Harvard. So right now they've got Stony Brook uh, coming into town. Obviously, Stony Brook, it's, you know, they're three and five right now. They started off the season with four straight losses. They've got wins over Fairfield, UMBC, Hartford. So, uh, I mean, they're two and oh in the America East. So, you know, three and five, but both two of their three wins have come in conference. Um, I don't think that Stony Brook has a, a chance in this game. With that being said, we still got to talk about the the only undefeated team left in the nation. Robbie, you got anything more to add to that? You think, uh, you know, you think Stony Brook's got anything? Any <laughs> you know, uh, with with the hashtag fade Robbie O, I kind of like to ride with a dark horse and like to see a sleeper. That classic any given Sunday mentality. But uh, I, I'm not. I'm just not seeing it here. Uh, I just think Albany absolutely blows the doors uh, off of this Stony Brook team. Um, and we're, and we're just going to go back. I mean, you, you can't, when you talk about the Albany team, uh, you got to talk about the face-off X, TD Ireland just having a massive, massive sophomore year after a huge freshman campaign. Uh, and then just, uh, you can't just disregard Connor Fields and Tohoga Nanakoke. I mean, when, you, you, when you're talking about the Albany Great Danes, those are the two that pop up. And when we were, even before DeHiller came on the podcast, and boy, that, that was a real good interview with him. We were talking, you know, he was the most, he was the hot, He's the Trey Young of lacrosse for us. So we were talking about him a ton before he even stepped on the field. You blogged about it in the preseason. The kid broke the internet. Were you expecting these kind of numbers from him? Because I'm going to be honest. I, I, I did it. We were talking about the whole Steph Curry and Durant now that uh, he's you know connected with Fields, that one-two punch, the Batman Robin. Uh, dude, Connor Fields has 26 goals, 32 assists, 58 points. DeHoga, 26 goals, 19 assists, 45 points. That's 58 points for Fields, 45 for Tehoga. The next best is Kyle Clancy with 23. So, dude, they are absolutely running the show. Were you expecting this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, as anyone who has, has, has ever watched Tehoga play knows that, you know, the amount of creativity that he brings to the game along with, you know, just the size of the kid uh, is, you know, you can't really match up against that. You know, he's got so many different ways that he can beat you. Um, you know, and with a player like Connor Fields, who has proven, you know, week after week after week for for seasons now, um, that he's got, you know, not only the two eyeballs in in front of his face, he not only has two eyeballs in the back of his head, he's got eyes everywhere. He sees every single inch of the field, and wherever there's an open inch, he's going to squeeze the ball there. Uh, so, you know, I, I definitely think that this is, uh, you know, it's it's essentially like watching the Globetrotters of lacrosse. Uh, so they've got, you know, uh, one, two, three, you know, they've got four conference games coming up here, maybe five if I can, I don't know if I can count or not. Stony Brook, UMBC, Binghamton. Uh, then they've got a little matchup with Yale coming up uh, in late April. Close it out with Hartford. So those final games, um, listen, we haven't seen a, a ticket, you know, wire to wire undefeated season in a while Albany has the chance to do that, but it all starts on Saturday with Stony Brook. Uh, and before we get into all the games on Saturday, obviously we have a little treat for ourselves tonight, Friday night lights. We've got UNC, the Tar Heels traveling to Duke. Um, I mean, listen, I, I think by now everybody knows the crease dive stance on UN, UNC. Uh, but again, I mean, listen, you, you've said it. I've said it. When you get into conference play, quite literally 
anything can happen. So a Duke-UNC game, even though I think that Duke has a huge advantage in this one, these are two teams that know each other very well. They know exactly you know, the other team's tendencies. They know how to match up against these guys. So even though Duke should probably blow this Tar Heel team out of the water, we're always good to see an upset. So, Robbie O, what do you got on the target? I mean, it's, it's Duke Devils? UNC. I mean, it's besides Michigan, Ohio State, to me, when I think of the best rivalries in sports between two schools, I don't know what your stance is. I got Duke UNC uh, for me. So, obviously, like you said, these teams are very familiar with each other. The players are. Uh, Donowski and Brescia are. And this one, this one's going to be a nosedive. I mean, literally the, the – what are they like five miles apart? I think this is going to be a Friday. First of all, the stadium, I would love, love to get boots on the ground. If any of you guys, um, I'm blanking on his name. I know he messaged you. Uh, we were talking about uh, what jersey uh, uh, Steel Stanwick was going to wear uh, watching his brother play. Uh, so we had some boots on the ground there. He actually was rooting for the little brother, uh, despite being a Cavalier. But, uh, yeah, if you guys are boots on the ground at this game, would love, love to see some content. I mean, I'm assuming this one's going to be a sold-out game under the lights, Duke-UNC. I got Duke finishing them off, but I got this one being really, really close, back and forth the entire game. And that'll wrap it up for our weekend preview and our picks. And that is going to uh, bring us right in here. We are going to hit a question mark at ourselves, the five and five, the island. Hit it up real quick with some questions that you guys hit us up with on Twitter. Uh, And starting off right off the bat, we've got Jordan Ramirez uh, at jrami15 on Twitter. He says, I've seen plenty of MCLA players who are good enough to play D1. How many players have you played with in D2 or D3 that are good enough to play D1? Uh, so obviously myself, I, I played D3. Robbie O, you were, uh, you know, you were a Division One stud, so you don't, uh, you know, but you can obviously you play with some guys in high school who maybe went D2 or D3 who probably could have gone D1. Um, I mean, listen, I think that there are a lot of uh, a lot of kids at the D2 and D3 level that are there by choice. Um, you know, there's about what, maybe 71, I think I said, uh, division one programs in college across, like, to be honest, there's, there's at least like seven or eight of them that, uh, like if, if you're, if you care about winning, um, if you care about having a a great college experience, you don't really want to go to those schools just to be able to say that you play D1 lacrosse. Uh, I'm not going to name any of those teams, you know, and call them out or anything, but I think everyone kind of has a good idea of, you know, what those schools are, places that you just go and and you have maybe one win a season. So, I don't really know like how many people, you know, want to say that. I know from my own experience, uh, you know, you're you're going to look back at your playing career, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. No one's going to give a shit about whether you played D1 or D2 or D3. You're just going to care about the kind of, you know, the experience that you had. Uh, So I think, you know, there are a ton of kids in D2 and D3 and obviously in the MCLA who could find themselves on a nice roster spot on a division one program. Uh, but you know, it's just not for them. Maybe the workload isn't for them. Maybe they, you know, they just want to have, they just want to ball out with a team. Like, you know, maybe like a Salisbury or an RIT or something. Uh, Robbie, you got any, yeah. Or Stevenson, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with everything that you said. I think that was a perfect answer. Uh, just to piggyback off of that a little bit. 
like you said, um, it's it's D three by choice. Um, you know, I know a couple of people that I played high school with who you know decided to go. They were getting D one looks. Like we said, we're not going to name those schools. They could have played D one, but they decided to go. You know, D three, play in the NESCAC, get an incredible education, like relatively similar to an Ivy League, uh, so to say. You very much could argue that. Um, and yeah, they do it by choice. And at the end of the day, uh, you're playing lacrosse with your boys. It doesn't really matter the level but yeah uh, like i said there it's by it's by choice like like we both said kind of going on a little bit of a tangent here but there are probably six or eight teams that could hang with uh some division one teams on d3 and d2 level yeah so again uh model of the story there d3 by choice moving on to the next question we've got matthew stebbins at matt stebler on twitter uh he says who's the best player you've ever personally played against so uh you know rabio you're a you know you're a jersey guy obviously a, a hotbed of lacrosse ton of great guys have come out from your area um you know and then obviously you've, you've had your time playing d1 so you've you've gotten your fair share of studs that you've played against uh myself coming out of philly you know another another hotbed of lacrosse uh you know i don't want to toot philly's horn too much but i'd say it's uh you know if 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 there's an all if there's a civil war in the lacrosse world that breaks out, I'm taking Philly lacrosse over everything. But Robbie O, the best player you've ever played against, who uh, you know who you got? It's a it's a real good question. Uh, so, someone that comes to mind was uh, I was a sophomore. We were playing against Loyola at Loyola. Uh, Joe Fletcher, I don't know if you remember him. Was it was the the stud deep hole at the time? Now now he's on playing it for Team USA. I remember going up against him and he, it was like I was running in slow motion. He was just that much faster, that much more athletic. Dude, the kid picked off a perimeter pass of mine and just like ran down the field and scored. Um, there was very little chance I was going to beat him one-on-one. I just kind of knew that from the opening whistle. I remember him breaking out for a clear and I tried, tried to guard. I was like... That, that kid was fantastic. Um, also, at halftime, it was actually very impressive. It was 16-2. to two. It is That was the worst game that I have been a part of, any sport blowout-wise, um, including middle school um, CCD Basketball League. Uh, that was a bloodbath. But Joe Fletcher, he has zero idea who I am probably, but – that dude is a stud defenseman and ate my cookies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jojo Fletcher eating Robbie O's cookies. Give him back the chocolate chips. Uh, for myself, uh, you know uh, – so I, I got to, uh, you know, I grew up with a guy, uh, you guys may have heard of him or not, uh, Jordan Wolf. So I grew up playing hockey with, with Jordan uh, and then grew up playing against him my entire career. We were both in the same conference in high school. We're going to have to get Jordan Wolf on the podcast coming up here soon, especially with his first season in Dallas starting up in the MLL uh, with the Rattlers moving down there. So we'll get him on the podcast to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, grew up playing against Jordan in, in you know, a bunch of different sports. Uh, you know, he was always, always the best player, you know, whether it was hockey, he was always the best player on the ice, whether it was lacrosse, he was the best player on the field. Uh, with that being said, uh, four years in high school playing against Jordan, 
and he never once beat us. So, uh, you know, that's also something that we'll have to talk to him about when we eventually bring him on the podcast. Uh, Jordan, if you're listening to this, buddy, sorry for bringing that up, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to discuss it more on a later episode. Our final question with our question marks here is coming from uh, Mike Ziegler, it looks like, at Ziggs44 on Twitter. Uh, he says, who's got the best team swag? Hashtag look good, play good. This is something that we've talked about. I think it was our second episode ever when we broke down the, the best team by conference uh, in terms of uniforms. Uh, so, I mean, if we're sticking with just Division One college, I'm, I feel like you're not going to have the same answer here real quick, but let's see. I, I think I got to go. I'm going to have two. I'm, I'm going to have, a, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a 1A and a 1B. And actually, they got to play each other earlier in the season. And when they were on the field together, it was a thing of beauty. So I'm going with the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays and the Princeton Tigers. Uh, the way that, the you know, listen – the stripes on the sleeves of jerseys. It is such a good look. It is such a sexy look that, you know, I don't understand why more teams don't do this, but Hopkins and Princeton, uh, you know, they've, they've got money uniforms week after week after week. They've never once looked bad on the lacrosse field. Rabio, it sounds like you are, are, are right there with me. Yeah, I'm right with you. Uh, I think both of those jerseys are beautiful, but my answer was indeed uh, the John Hopkins Blue Jays. I think uh, that program switching back to the Cascade helmets was the best move that they've ever done since hiring Dave Petromala. Those black lids with the pearl face mask on Homewood under the lights, it's a lax sweat dream. It truly is. Uh, they are dripping insties. Yeah, look good, play good for sure. Uh, and, you know, listen, if, if we're going by look good, play good, uh, then I, I guess Hopkins has to look better than Princeton does because they came away with that 16-9 to win when, when they went head-to-head earlier in the season. But that is going to wrap up our question marks for the week. Uh, we're about to close out here on this week's podcast. But before we go, I just want to give a real quick shout-out uh, to the Bronx Lacrosse. Uh, this is something that you know I wrote about it on Barstool. We'll uh, we'll put out a link for it on the Crease Dive accounts. Uh, but Bronx Lacrosse, it's uh, started by Dan Leventhal. He's a guy he he played it tough, so another D three by choice kind of guy, and he's just doing incredible work right now in the Bronx. Uh, you know, at this school there, just bringing the sport to the inner cities and it's something that is going to do tremendous amount of, you know, it's going to do so much in terms of growing the game of lacrosse. I think that, you know, all lacrosse fans uh, can agree that in order for this game to really take off, we need to really introduce it to the inner cities. And that doesn't just mean, you know, having some clinics every now and then. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, you'll see this video on Barstool uh, of how much work that Dan puts into this um, in terms of, you know, getting the kids equipment, teaching them how to really play, teaching them all the great lessons that you can get out of the game of lacrosse. Uh, so, you know, make sure that you check out Bronx Lacrosse. Uh, you know, they're on Twitter, on Instagram, the videos there on Barstool for you to check out. 
But again, shout out to those guys and shout out to Dan Leventhal for doing incredible work in terms of growing the game. Uh, and with that, that is going to wrap up episode 10 of the Crease Dive. A uh, ton of great conference matchups for everybody to, to check out this weekend. Again, do not turn off that Notre Dame Q's game for March Madness. Do not do it or else you are dead to us. Uh, Robbie O, any closing remarks here as we wrap it up? Yeah, um, just make sure you guys are following us on our socials at The Crease Dive on Twitter and Instagram. Love hearing the feedback. Love getting those uh, uh, submissions sliding on in the DMs of the crazy goal sellies or just a little bit of locker room talk, whatever it may be. Love seeing some good lax content. We're going to keep churning that out. Let us know what you want to see. Let us know what you want to hear. We appreciate all of the support. Like we said in the beginning, this is episode 10. So Jordy and I and the Crease Dive Boys have a lot in store for the remainder of the season. So stay tuned. Um, everyone have a great weekend. Thanks again for tuning in. Jordy. Hey, low to high to the day we die. We out.